Welcome to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. We present cold case crimes that we feel can and should be solved with your help. We provide the facts of the case and the research that we have done. Then web sleuths like you help us solve the mystery and provide the victim, family, community, and law enforcement with justice and peace of mind. This is Solve Crimes. tell you though like i'm having a hard time sleeping right now i'm, ha- I'm having a hard time getting yeah. to sleep because this case gets to you and and it's taking up all of my spare thinking time i'm not i'm not doing anything else this is this right. is what i'm focused on we, we 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 discussed that when we started uh started on this case uh that you know especially uh you have some connections with you know she was around this, the age of your mom and kind of looks like her and those kind of things. I mean, it's a, uh, it, and, and you tend to personalize things like this when you, when you get so deep into it. Well, you know, what, what kind of did it for me was I found, you know, we found news clippings with her photo right. and we couldn't find any good photography of Judith Hikari. And so yeah. I went to work trying to do the best that I could to make the engagement photo of hers that uh, that we got out of the newspaper, a good photo that we could use, because I want which is the thumbnail photo that we use on our on YouTube our YouTube channel. channel. Yeah, and I, and I wanted because pe- I want people to relate with this with this young, beautiful uh, woman with a bright future ahead, and it's really hard to do that right. when it's just a half tone scan. Which is so that so that we can put some context to this. Uh, the episode we we are going to be uploading it'll be uploaded by the time we r- release this podcast the next the second episode in our series on uh, on Judy Hikari is on the seven weeks between when she disappeared and when they found her right so which which goes right to everything you're saying uh, as far as who she was and what she was doing and where she was at in life and uh, all of that factored into the police taking it seriously that and the evidence of course yeah yeah well, I tell you, as I as I was working on that photo and I read 130 articles. Yeah. Like in one sitting, right? <laughs> I did. Yeah it, it t- yeah. it took me several hours, but I just couldn't get enough. I was texting yeah. you the whole time, right? Like yeah, you were. All those yeah, things yeah. that I was discovering. and uh, I knew what you were doing, too. You were deep in that rabbit hole. Yeah. It's, it's easy to do, and uh, especially finding all this info that you did and uh, the resources you used to, to find uh, – I mean, we even have her yearbook photos from high school. Dude, that was that that was an experience that I just mm. I, I it really it really hurt to go and look at her yearbook because there's a freshman in high school. She doesn't know it, mm. but in eight years she'll be dead. Right. Right. It's uh, it's it's really sad, and it it got me to kind of thinking and sympathizing with with her dad 
His name's yeah. Will Ho. Everybody called him Bill. Bill Hakari. Yeah. 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 Um, I, this might be a, a great spot to, uh, with some levity, but uh, it's appropriate. Um, you have a, uh, an account with a certain website where you can search through genealogy. Well, yeah, that's one of my hobbies is, <laughs> is family history. I love genealogy. Yeah. So I got a text from you late one night saying that I was, I was going to either, you were telling me that I was going to either think you were completely nuts or that you were the best web sleuth that ever lived. That, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm quoting you That's probably correctly exactly on that. what I texted, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, and so what was it that you you sprung on me that night? That I'm related to Judy Hikari. That had to be a shock. Yeah, and, and I had told you um, several times how much she reminded me of my mom. Right. 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 My, my mom. It went pretty far back, but I mean, you weren't like. Oh yeah. we but my mom and Judy Hikari are 12th cousins. So it's Jeez. not, it's not. So I'm a, her 12th cousin once removed. Is how that works. So yeah, yeah it, it's far back, but it became even more. People don't say that much anymore. People used to say that, that once removed thing. Well, people who love genealogy say it all the time. Yeah. Still say it. Right. <laughs> Now people just give it a shortcut. Yeah, we're related. No, but the but those, that was pretty. That even made this even more personal for you, I'm sure. Well, yeah, and and the physical traits that were passed down from our common uh, grandparents for me, 13 generations ago, for her, 12, um, oh, are are strong because my mom. I'm I'm telling you, my mom looks exactly like her, and other than being a little bit younger. Uh, my mom's two years younger than Judy Hikari. Her hairstyle was slightly different. Have you, have you talked to your parents about if they remember this case when it was happening? Or were they here? Uh, they were not in Sacramento at the time. They uh, Okay. So I, I did call them and I did ask them about it. It was right in between. Uh, they had... Okay. They had left. Uh, my dad was in the in the service. They had left and then okay. uh, and then they came back about four years later. So... They miss, they miss so I mean, the, the, the ultimate thing that we're saying here is that all of those reasons, uh, it this became personal, or at the very least, uh, you know, a uh, you're connected to this. And and for me, not only did all this happen literally within two miles of of where I live, uh, it uh, it's also the fact that it's this young woman, you know, the heartbreak and the sadness of of the story of, of that never got to be finished, right? Yeah. Uh, never got to progress past 23. And, uh, um, but also the fact that, you know, you and I have daughters and it's a, uh, uh, it's a nightmare that every parent has, uh, that something's going to happen to their, to their daughter. Um, and it's, so I, I just, on many, many, many levels, uh, I, you know, we want to see this case solved. Man, we sure do. Now, Judy Hakari's parents, and, and her fiance and her all of her friends, they had a seven week wait between the mm. time she disappeared to the time that they knew what happened. Her dad called it hellish. Hellish, yeah. Th there's I, actually I, that's probably the understatement of this whole case. There's an article in the Sacramento Bee uh, by I think his name is Art McGinn. Let me look. Yeah, his name is Art McGinn. Um, and who is he? 
he he was just a reporter at the Sacramento Bee, for what I can tell, and okay. he went okay. to the Hakari home, and he wrote a story that was I don't know it wasn't long two or three hundred words, but in it he he described what he was seeing more than what he was being told, right? He uh, was which is good good reporting. Yeah, Bill Hakari. I mean, I, I guess I'm not much of a sleuth to figure this out, but he had a thick Finnish accent. So I believe he was from Finland. He immigrated from Finland after the time which he learned to speak, right? So Got it. Um, he had a thick Finnish accent. He was not a terribly large man uh, as far as height. He was a round man, right? He was a stocky. He was described as a stocky man. And... In the article that Art McGinn wrote, he talked about uh, Bill Hikari being uh, sitting on the edge of his seat, just looking down. And every once in a while, he would look up when he was hoping for something. Like may maybe, I don't know, maybe hippies took her. Maybe she's in a hippie commune. And yeah, then he'd look down. No, I remember you finding that article. That was that was yeah. maybe she's a slave. Strange. Maybe she's a, a slave. slave. That, yeah, that would be so much better than what in my heart I know, which is... Human trafficking back then, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that would be any parent's uh, reaction to to want it to be anything but, right? Mm -hmm. Especially that because there was evidence that uh, that there was an abduction. I mean, the, you know, car door open, keys on the floor, buttons from her coat ripped off, uh, strips of cloth, which... We talk about in the in episode two on on our YouTube channel uh, about how most likely that was for binding, and and uh, and most likely it was not done at the scene, which means this was pre-planned. I believe the abduction it, was yeah. pre-planned. Now, now um, Ray Willis, he mm -hmm. hoped that it was just somebody kind of a crime of passion. This is in another news article. And um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Rick, but as we develop our website, we're going to post all of these articles so people can read them, right? Correct. But yes, Ray Willis, he hoped that she was taken like in spur of the moment, like it was a crime of passion. Yeah, because earlier that day, uh, the two of them, Ray and Judy, had been. Uh, they spent the morning um, refurbishing a uh, Judy's family heirloom piano uh, that was fifty-something years old, um, and uh, so they spent the day doing that because that was again, Judy was a planner. Mm -hmm. uh, she her goal was to have this piano be a centerpiece in their family home after their wedding, and then uh, and then after that in the afternoon they had uh, done uh, a photo shoot engagement photos. Yeah. She had gone to go have her engagement photo taken. So she okay. was dolled up, man. She was, she yeah. was beautiful. She was looking great. Well, you know, and back then, now that I think about it back then you did do portraits like that individually. And then it went in the paper with two portraits. That was the common thing to do. Uh, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so are engaged, mm -hmm. you know, uh, talk about their family. That was a very common thing back then. Yeah. In fact, one of the really sad things about, about all this is that some of those articles on the disappearance and death of Judy Hikari are on the very page where other brides are, their engagement is being announced. Well, and it's also, there's so many heartbreaking 
aspects to this, uh, but the photo, her engagement photo that uh, that is used in our thumbnail on uh, on our YouTube channel, um, that you so you know greatly colorized. Yeah, I don't know uh, if I expertly a, did it, but I put a lot of care into well, it. <laughs> it, it. Yeah, and it, it shows. It shows. Uh, it, it very well done. But the 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 hard part for me looking at it is that was the very last photo taken of her mm -hmm. on the day she likely died. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, that's very hard. There are a couple of versions of it. It's obvious that the family had the, the photos from the photographer because, right. and that they provide them to news stories because there are, I, there are at least two, maybe three, I think there are three photos that are used in, in newsprint where she is in that outfit, her hair is done that same way. It's that same photo right. shoot. Right. Um, I'm sure they treasured those photos for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, heartbreak when you look at them. But uh, but the uh, you know, I think the during that seven weeks, I think all things considered, um, the family did a good job and the community too with uh, with keeping the story alive. Uh, you know to you know, it wasn't it wasn't something that people took lightly, like we've discussed right from the beginning. And the community was right there with everybody. I mean, it was a uh, uh, you know, it was it was quite literally a drama unfolding each day. Uh, and even as the the search for her by authorities started to wane in the, the weeks, you know, uh, after the abduction, um, because what what else could police do? There's not much more you can do. Um, and so it started to wane. And but the family refused to to let it die. And they gave interviews. And I mean, those must, that must've been rough to give interviews about that, but they knew, and I think it was pretty smart on their part. They, uh, they kept it alive. And I think the community wanted to keep it alive too. They, it was still of interest. Yeah. Sacramento in the 1970s was, uh, slightly different than it is now. Uh, Sacramento. Cowtown. Yeah. Sac Sacramento has sprawled quite a bit. Um, but but back then it was it was a little bit more compartmentalized as far as the suburbs around town and the towns in the unincorporated county that that kind of surrounded Sacramento. So there were right. countless newspapers in Roseville and Citrus Heights and Carmichael and uh, you know Elk Grove. They were everywhere, and all of them, all of them did at least weekly updates. And the Sacramento Bee for a while did a daily thing. And the story went yeah. as far as the San Francisco Chronicle, the LA Times, the Fresno Bee. Right. You know, right. Uh, it, it was now. What was crazy. the timing on that? Did it? Uh, did it? I think it went to those, the outskirts papers after the body was found. I think, right? I don't think they would cover a missing person story unless it was. Well, um, really, it didn't make it to LA until she was found, but it yeah. it okay. did sporadically make it to the Central Valley and the Bay Area at her okay. disappearance. Uh, mostly okay. when her parents started to offer a reward. So okay. her parents right. offered a $1,000 reward, which is about, I, I think that's about seven or eight grand today. Something yeah, like that, probably. you know? So it, that actually goes to talk about this family, right? The, um, mm -hmm. Their daughter was, was I, I don't want to say prized possession, but they were their, they, she was their hope. Right. Just like all children are to their parents. And yeah. what they were able to get together was a thousand dollars. It's not a drop in the bucket, but it also wasn't like no. they were the Hearst family or anything like that. The, this was right. a middle income family 
who yeah. uh, who just desperately wanted their daughter back and they were able to get together a thousand dollar reward. That's when it started yeah. to kind of show up down in the Chronicle and, and places like that. Right, right. And, uh, you know, again, going to uh, the parents, especially uh, Bill Hikari doing interviews to keep this whole thing alive and, and keep people talking about it because that's the same reason why we're doing what we're doing, you know, is to keep keep it alive and, and you know, get people to focus on it and, and uh, talk about it again. And uh, and so some of the interviews he did it were, you know, he was commiserating and talking about Judy and talking about how she was excited about her wedding and and uh, and that sort of thing. And he, he made mention, uh, which I, I I found, you know, cute was that uh, Judy wanted a big church wedding, which was very common back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he offered her an alternative. <laughs> yeah, that, that's as, an as alternative that I have offered our children. Please, for the love yes. of all that is holy, do not right. do a giant wedding. <laughs> don't do a giant wedding, right. And so, yeah, he had offered her, he said, you know, instead of doing the big wedding, why don't you guys just go straight to a honeymoon in Hawaii and I'll pay for it. Yeah, I, I'll and, pick uh, up the bill. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure back then, you know, there that was that was in the day of hope chess and you know, well, Pan Am. Of, it was not cheap to go to Hawaii yeah. in 1970. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so that, uh, but I mean, in 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 regards to you know her not accepting that was because you know that was in the day of uh, of uh, hope chess and little girls dreaming of their white dress and walking down the aisle and all that kind of stuff. There was there there was no way she was going to take that offer. Yeah, I don't think it was terribly common to have somebody just go to a justice of the peace and get married and and call it a day, uh, especially for a first marriage, right? That that yeah. probably yeah, wouldn't yeah, happen yeah. back then. Yeah, I'd like to uh, get your opinion on something though, Rick. One of the things sure. that has been, well, was striking to me as I've read and reread and kind of dug into the story is that um, Ray Willis, who is her fiance, was really only quoted a couple of times. Uh, you know, quoted briefly in one story. And then there was a longer story that he was kind of, um, he was quoted a lot in, uh, Evelyn, who was Judy's mom, I don't think was ever quoted during the ordeal, but she did write a letter to the editor of the Sacramento Bee afterwards and thanked the community. Everything else was Bill Hikari. What, what's your opinion on that? Um, you know, I've thought about that and, uh, and obviously we're, we're 50 years out, so it's hard to corroborate or ask questions, uh, uh, to discover the stuff. Um, not that it's, you know, super relevant, but just from our own curiosity uh place i i wonder if um i think if i can put myself in ray's shoes uh it must have been a very very i mean i of course it's hard for for bill and evelyn uh being parents but for him he was nobody nobody really talks about the fact that this was his future too this was the woman he was going to spend the rest of his life with and have children with and it was just about to happen i mean they you know, it was right there. So, and you uh, know what? If I can so sidebar I, you for a second, yeah. Judy Hikari, by all accounts, would not just fall in love with some schlub, man. She was planning, yeah, yeah. right? He must have been yeah, a terrific yeah. guy, right? And I, I picture him being very depressed during this time. 
yeah. um, and not wanting to talk to the press. Uh, and uh, uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows really? I mean, he may have been a very shy man. He may have been uh, um, not wanting to. I mean, you know, there probably we didn't see a lot of this in the newspapers, but there might have been people in the community that that considered him a suspect. I mean, it's natural. Um, that could be another reason why he didn't speak out much. Um, I think, you know, if, if he could have spoken to help further the case, he, he, he may have, but, uh, but all the quotes that we do have from him, I mean, he was, he was, you know, it, it sounds like, uh, he was very much in love with Judy and, and, uh, and this was devastating to him. Yeah. I had wondered about Evelyn. Um, she, uh, she died pretty young. She died in 1986, and she wasn't quoted very often. The, maybe she reminds me a little bit of my mom, somebody who doesn't speak loudly, but her actions speak loudly because she established a perpetual education fund in Judy's name at, at Sac State. Right, right. Right, That's right. so she was a talker. Yeah. But I also kind of thought... It, at first, I thought it's the 1970s. The man of the house is going to be out there in front. It's very patriarchal and yeah, everything. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. also feel like um, Bill Hikari was kind of a protector. Like, yeah. maybe Evelyn's just really broken up about this, and as yeah, well, she might have been very emotional. Be. So yeah. I'll take and, the brunt. And he of was very. I will say that he was very quotable. I mean, the quotes that he gave were very heartfelt and uh, and really hit you hit you where it hurts. Yeah. You know, which I think is part of the reason why it stayed in the in the press during those seven weeks. And and he spoke on behalf of both of them. He was always very respectful. My yeah. wife and I know that. Yes. Da, 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 yes. My yes. wife and I yeah, would he never was, think that. By all accounts, he seemed like a very, you know, typical, uh, and I don't mean that in a, ne- in a detrimental way. I mean, a, a very, um, you know, immigrants had, it, family was everything. You know, I, I think we've lost that. In, in a lot of ways uh, in, you know, where we are now. But uh, but back then, you know, family was everything. And, uh, and and as you said, they were so proud of her and her accomplishments and where she was going. And uh, and so, uh, so, yeah, I think he was very traditional in that sense, the protector and yeah Well, you know, you think about those things. Uh, um, I've never lived in – I have lived abroad. I have lived outside of the United States, but not as a family. Right yeah. mm-hmm. now, I did move. Kimberly and I did move our family cross country, and right. when that happened, man, we we zipped up tight together because we were who we had, right? And yes. maybe yeah. that's something about Bill Hakari is that he had left his homeland, and he had started a family, and he was going to protect it, and right, uh, which makes it all the more tragic that his daughter is a victim of such terrible. Yeah, because he now that I think about it, he was. Absolutely, acting as a spokesperson for the family. Um, I haven't seen any quotes from his other children. Have you? I haven't. The only the only yeah. reason that I know who they are is because of Evelyn's obituary. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So this uh, this seven week period that we're focused on uh, for you know this episode of our podcast and our YouTube channel, um, I I wanted to present that before we got into all the you know, the death stuff, uh, just to kind of give people a, a sense of Judy and her relationship with Ray and the, uh, uh, and her parents, how, how hard this hit them, uh, and the, the quotes that Bill gave. Um, I thought it was important to kind of, you know, just 
present and put people in the shoes of of the community and the of law enforcement and of uh, her family during this time period before we uh, before we get into the you know the heavier stuff. Yeah, next episode we're gonna get into some real heavy stuff. Right. Um, right. It will not be an episode that you want your little kids to listen to. And yeah, I mean we've we've kind of agreed that we don't need to be. Uh, Salacious, salacious in, gory in, no. in the description. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're going to be very. We're still going to be respectful to to Judy's memory and uh and her family. Um, uh, but we'll talk about things that are relevant, you know, to uh, uh to finding her. Um, yeah. You know, there it, there are such things as mo, uh, you know, to discuss as far as uh, you know, the uh, what was done to her and, and that kind of thing. I mean, those those kind of things uh do play a part in in a murder investigation, unfortunately. Yeah. So we'll get into those things. There were some pretty important clues that, you know, for people who are following this uh, journey that we're on Rick, that are trying with us to solve the, the puzzle, there are a couple of pieces of the puzzle that are, that are really important uh, that happened in this seven weeks. And I I just want to, I guess I just want to reiterate them. I think we've talked about it, but for those of you that sure. are keeping score, right? Yes. Um, and if you're not, we're, we'll get you to our website where we'll we'll put pieces there and timelines where you you can get up to speed. Yes. Okay. Judith Akari, when she went missing, was wearing her nurse's uniform from Sutter Memorial. On that nurse's nurse's uniform, there was a pin that had her name. Um, it was, it was springtime, which is a little bit chilly in Sacramento. She had a coat. It was a white coat with polka dots and buttons. It was a button up coat. Right. Right. Um, she was wearing white saddle shoes. I I need to ask my, I need to ask my wife or my daughters what a saddle shoe is, but I I just kind of think it's like, I have a picture of it, but yeah, a comfortable, shoe that you would be able to do nursing work in, right? It's part of her uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, she was wearing a silver watch that was described as a duty watch, not a duty watch, Tracewell, a duty I know, watch. I know. Yes, he's, he's, he's doing this for my benefit. Yeah, I, I don't know what a duty watch <laughs> is. I can I can come up with a with a description right. if you'd like. <laughs> I don't I don't know that your description will be accurate to what Judy Hikari was wearing, but it it was a silver watch. Um, okay. Those hopefully listeners will help us on that. What a duty watch is. I in my mind I'm just thinking. <laughs> Quit saying it. Well, it it's what it's described as, right? So um, I think that it must be a watch that all of the nurses wore. It was part of their uniform. Uh, she was wearing stockings, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess that's well. It's very typical uh, back in that day uh, nurses' uniform. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I it, mean, it, it was... full on looks like a like something out of a movie, right? It, in the nineteen seventies, yeah. that it was a very. Well, we were just mentioning, uh, you know, like flight attendants uh, on Pan Am. I mean, it was the same yeah. thing. It was very very gender you know, specific. It, it was yes. made to uh, accentuate. Probably accentuate beauty in order for there to be a better bedside manner. Probably, I don't know what the maybe what it was, but it, it was the time, <laughs> right? It was the time, right? Right. Um, okay. The other thing that is important, I think, is in the car there are remnants of 
of towels, like the towels had been ripped and there are, um, uh, there were ravels of towels, right? In the, in yeah. the car. And, right. and what was the description? I, I seem to remember you telling me or reading about, uh, the types of towels they were. So it was described as a cannon ribbed towel, which the cannon is the type of fabric that towel fabric is. I mean, all of our towels are pretty much cannon towels, unless you're okay. like some highfalutin, somebody <laughs> like buying crazy awesome towels. I don't know, but it, it's yeah, it's towel know. material, right? And then it's ribbed, yep. which meant that it was like striped. You know, it was like it was cut so that it was shorter yeah. in some places and longer in others. Now, did they describe whether it was ripped or cut? So I didn't read anything uh, that said whether it was ripped or cut it but it had unraveled there were ravels of towel in, in the car okay. um and the th thing that i think is most important about that is i think it it goes to pre-planning judy got her apartment on the first floor of her apartment complex at markston uh markston apartments now rick you've been there right it's a two-story yeah. apartment complex and, it, it and it's campus style, like everything is in California. There are buildings with, I don't know, 10 apartments in them, and then another building with 10 apartments. Yeah, there's little walkways and, yeah. and you know, uh, landscaping, yeah. Ray asked her to get a second-story apartment because he felt that, that that would be safer. Right. Um, but she was on the first floor because she wanted to restore that piano, and in order to have the piano in the apartment, she had to be on the first floor. Yep. That meant that... There was no clear view into the parking lot from anywhere within the apartment because there was a brick wall, like a privacy wall. It, it's like the architects designed that way, right? On on the second floor, well, you have privacy because you're on the second is, floor. It is, you know, but I was just there, I mean, just a few days ago, and I also believe it was a sound wall because it's it's right oh. off of Arden Way, which is a it's, thorough, a, it's a thoroughfare. You know, it's still a thoroughfare, right? So, uh, so I believe that it was more of a sound wall it was than a, a sound than a barrier. Wall. I see. Yes, it was. But either way, that made it so that if you were inside the apartment, you couldn't see to to Judy's parking spot. Yes. Right. Yes. Which which factors into and, and I think uh, that Ray having to walk out there. Yeah, and I think if somebody was planning on taking Judy, they were stalking her, mm -hmm. knowing that nobody would see them because of that wall, because of where she parked. I think right. that goes to also pre-planning. So not only do we have mm -hmm. ravels and what are the ravels? What does that mean? The towel ravels? I mean, what would that I mean? You know, it's uh, to me, I mean, being, you know, a true crime buff and, and reading a lot of these things, uh, it, uh, uh, it's, it's used for binding, you know, um, tying up for, wrists for tying ankles. up wrists. Uh, and, and maybe even, you know, as a, uh, uh, you know, to, um, silence someone. Yeah. Like a gag, know? a gag. Right. Right. Um, and it's, you know, that, that also goes toward pre-planning and, uh, um, you know, and, and again, 1970, there were no surveillance cameras. There were no, you know, so, uh, if anyone was planning this kind of a thing, uh, and we'll get into the similarities with the other victims of, uh, that come after, uh, Judy, but, um, uh, but it, to me, it does appear that that the whoever did this and if he did the others as well uh, was a uh, 
you know, the perpetrator was definitely someone who worked in the shadows. None of these things happened during the day. They were all very late at night. And, uh, and you know, being that I've been to both, you know, two of the apartment complexes where, where uh, there were victims, um, they, they're very similar. It was a style back then, you know, the apartment buildings. The, the other one is also two stories. And the parking lots at night were dark. It's very easy to to stand in the shadows or, uh, you know, hide between cars. I mean, it, it was it to me. It seems, and I, and I don't know what the lighting was like back then. I mean, I, I don't I have no clue. Uh, but I'm sure it wasn't as bright. You know, now uh, those both those parking lots, by the way, have uh, like, you know, very well lit areas. Uh, so, so that's the thing for me is that it, it looked like the guy operated in the shadows and you, waited for an opportunity. You know, there's one other thing, and before we wrap this up, there's one other thing that I think is really important. I read an article uh, that was an interview with Ray Willis. And in that article, uh, Ray specifically said that Judy had planned, if she ever was attacked, to just go along with it. Because she had had a psychology professor tell her that the woman's chances of survival increased if they didn't fight. Which I think was a thing in 1970. Right. And I'll tell you, I don't know how you handled it with your kids, but uh, I told all my kids that uh, you get in that car with someone and you're done. Yeah. And I've told them, I don't care, grab a bicycle, grab a newspaper uh, dispenser, grab anything you can that won't fit in that car. Do not, because I, I told my kids that uh, uh, people that take children like that, that's, that was that's what I told them, um, they're cowards. And they won't be doing it where they get caught or, or where they're seen. So if you scream your bloody murder and grab onto something big, light pole, whatever you have to do, do not get in that car. Even if they threaten to kill you right there, because they won't. The odds are better that they won't. Well, and we so, always told our kids, we, we taught our kids to fight. We specifically took them to classes to learn to fight. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. and uh, yeah. and we taught them to fight for each other and to fart, fight, not fart, <laughs> fight for themselves. Right, so, I mean, I guess you could <laughs> fart for yourself, but I don't know how, how well you, that would. You didn't do. give your kids duty watches. Either. Yeah, I didn't give them duty watches, but yeah, the, you know, you got you you have to fight. It, you, it's better to go down fighting than it is to just go down. Well, I told my kids, if you are going to die, die there. Yeah. Don't, you know, I mean, do everything you can not to, obviously, but if you're going to die, I'd much rather have that happen right there and not where I'm, I, we don't know where you are and they take you somewhere and, and, uh, and, and possibly torture for, you know, that you don't want that. Yeah. Um, well, it's just so a really it's sad It's unfortunate thing. to have to have those conversations with your kids. It's pretty heavy, but, uh, but it happens. Yeah. I hope, uh, I know back in the seventies that was a thing because, uh, I know Many of the women who there was one woman who was a would-be victim of a serial killer in the Pacific Northwest who kind of blazed a trail that she survived because she fought and got away and she started teaching the girls in in that college town to to fight. Prior to well, that, like to think it that, wasn't a thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I'd like to think that that the buttons from her coat show that she did fight. I hope it um, shows that. Yeah, I, I think it does. I, I uh, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, it's, it's one of those things you, you kind of hope that it that it means that. 
Um, you know, uh, I know I already, I, I'm giving more false endings than like a Tchaikovsky ballet here, but okay, the last thing I want to bring up here. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everybody's turned this off. Yeah, a long time ago. Long time. <laughs> no, um, the, in order to grab and bind somebody, assuming that they're fighting back, like I'm a, I'm a big man. I'm six, two, I'm, I'm a big man. Right. And my wife is five, seven. I think that if she struggled, I couldn't do it without help. So, well, but we, without giving too much away, she was, uh, they did find contusions. So she could have been knocked out. Could have been, you know, uh, if she did fight, you know, hard and, and again, it looks like there was binding involved. And so, uh, you know, she could have very, very easily been knocked out because she was struggling, uh, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, you know, I mean, it, there's just so many question marks that it, it could, you know, we're, we're just guessing at virtually everything. Um, no one will ever know that for sure. Uh, well, I, that's probably a good place to end. Uh, next week we'll get yeah. into uh, the discovery of her body. Found. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, okay. Well, that sounds sounds pretty good. I think uh, I think we're moving right along. And uh, and again, you know, we keep saying this, but I uh, I want to reiterate one more time that anyone who's listening, uh, please click subscribe and and like and and uh, follow our podcast, uh, follow our YouTube channel. The stuff that we we present here is a, a little more uh, freeform, and and we we kind of loosely. Uh, follow the the stuff that we put in our episodes. We try to match the the topic uh, at hand, um, but uh, uh, but it is important if you really want to help us solve this case, and that that really is what we want. Uh, we uh, we've mentioned before that we were in contact with the cold case unit uh, homicide unit at uh, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office, and we would love to give them some info uh, to follow up on some leads. Uh, we're uh, uh, very respectful of what they're trying to do, but we also know that they've got current homicides they're working on, um, and leads are pretty hard to come by when you uh, when you have a 50 year old case. So that is the reason why we're we're broadcasting this as as far and wide as we can. If you lived at the Markston Apartments where she was taken in 1970, we would love to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. Kind of understand. We'd love to. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. let's leave it there. Yeah. Should a we? Any connection that you have to this case, even if you just yeah. lived in Sacramento and remember it, we'd love to hear from you and, uh, uh, pick your brain a little bit and see if, uh, see if we can use any of the information that you, you provide us. So, uh, so please get in touch with us. It's not, not difficult to get in touch with us. So, uh, I think that's good for episode two, Gavin. All right. See you, Rick. Okay. Thanks. See you later. Thanks for listening to the solve crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. Please subscribe to stay up to date with the cases that we feature. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin, for more details and visuals that we can't provide here. If you have information on any of the cases we feature, please visit rgsolvecrimes.com.